Uh, for those of you, though, that may be new with us, what we're doing is something called Summer Stories. And uh, through the summer, we're just having some folks from our church come up and sit down on the couch, and we're talking about uh, something they've been through or things they've been through, what their story, their testimony is. And uh, the goal for that is that all of us will not only get to know them a little bit better, which is nice, because um, some of you may be new around here and don't know Aaron and Kayla, who are here today, um, but also that we would be challenged and we would be encouraged so that whatever it is that we go through, we can walk through it with the lessons that they've learned from what they've been through. And so it's been a really great series so far. We've got a few weeks left. And um, today I'm excited because, as I mentioned, we have Aaron and Kayla Plummer with us. So we would just give them a round of applause and thank them for being with us today. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start off the kind of the same way we have the, uh, every other week and just ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and uh, yeah, let everyone know who you are. Gotcha. I'll go first. Uh, like he said, I'm Aaron Plummer. Um, I was always born and raised in a little country church. Um, we drove 35, 40 minutes to get there every Sunday. When the doors were open, we were there. Um, like I told John, we were going through this. I remember there was one Sunday, uh, I was probably in middle school, high school age, so, you know, the age where a kid doesn't really want to go to church. Um, we showed up, it was, so I remember it was snow and ice, and we showed up, there were six people there, including the preacher. Four of them were from our family. <laughs> we were four of them. <clears throat> so, you know, I grew up in church the entire time. Um, uh, of course, as I got into college age, you know, I steered a little bit away from church, but I still knew who God was, still followed God and all that. Um, but, you know, I just wasn't there every Sunday. I'd go every once in a while, not, you know, basically like a lot of people do, you're, make sure you hit your Easter and your Christmas and you're good. <laughs> I felt like that was the way. Yeah, those are the big ones. Yeah, you gotta get them. But then, uh, then I was at a point in my life, me and a friend of mine, I'll go ahead and hit on this, me and a friend of mine were, uh, <laughs> we went out and, uh, on Saturday nights and, did our thing together. We uh, we would always go to Dave and Buster's and play games. <laughs> Friday, Saturday nights, every Saturday night, stay there for hours. Then one uh, one Saturday, he said, "Hey, uh, lady from work, her daughter's coming. She uh, she's coming with us." I was like, "Okay, let's whatever, you know." Little did I know they were trying to set me up. <laughs> so I'm like, cool. So we did that. She came that first night, and you know it. It went interesting. We'll say that. <laughs> we'll say that to be on the safe side. But uh, the next week, uh, the next Saturday night, it, I can't remember if he went with us or what. But I know that me and Kayla at least were together. And when I dropped her off that night at about, well, I say that night, it was probably two thirty in the morning. I'm sure my in-laws remember exactly what time it was. <laughs> uh, she said. I'll see you at church in the morning. And ever since then, we've been in church every Sunday together. Yeah. Every Sunday together, so. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm getting tears. I'm, <laughs> 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 I'm already doing better. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that, that leads you a little background on me and how we met mm -hmm. and how we got back in church together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, if Anybody remembers Jeremy? I'm right there with Jeremy. I went to First Assembly Christian School in Concord. Um, so I actually went there from four years old all the way up until I graduated. So I grew up in a Christian school. Um, and then we always, we were in church. Um, when we, we lived in Concord until I was about seven years old. And we were kind of in and out of different churches. Um, but once we came to Gold Hill, we live in Gold Hill, and we still live in Gold Hill. Uh, we found a little country church, and we were there every Sunday, every Wednesday. Anytime the doors were open, we were there, so we grew up in church. Sorry. Okay. It's your back real quick. Oh, Denise, okay. It's not on. Now it's on? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Jeremy. Thanks. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Recap, first assembly, little country <laughs> church. <laughs> um, so yeah, I grew up in church, even in school. I went to school, had Bible class, and then came home, and then we were always there whenever church was open. And, it, and then we met, and we continued going to church and working with youth and all different things. So. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I love that you're the one that pulled Aaron back in. Jess and I have the same story. Like we actually got married, and I had no interest in going to church anywhere, or being a part of anything like that at that time in my life. She was the one that kept. She kept beating the drum. She kept beating the drum, and I'm so thankful that she did. And finally, uh, she was able to pull me back in. So um, that's a cool story. Now, when you guys you guys met and you you ultimately got married, end of 2015. Yeah. yeah, 2015. Um, and uh, your plan for your family at that point, you told me you were you're planning on having two kids and then adopting one, right? Um, so just a little bit, why was that your plan? What were you thinking? Well, that was our plan because we wanted kids of our own, but we also knew there's so many kids out there that need a home. Um, and that was something that both of us had in our heart. Uh, still do, as a matter of fact. But it's just something that we agreed upon and we just... Seeing so many. Uh, there there were the... several in our church. Um, we had one family. She adopted three children. Um, so she adopted a set of twins. Um, and then she ended up adopting another little boy from the Philippines. So we were already seeing it firsthand. And we just absolutely loved it. And just a big part of it. Yeah. And we had also together seen a guy that I know. Uh, oh, yeah. Him and his Nick. family, actually, Nick, um, I had actually uh, adopted and went through the process of adoption of a little girl from Uganda to where he had to go over there and live for, I think it was six weeks, and she had to go over there and live for like six or eight months before they could actually follow through the adoption process. And seeing that and seeing the hearts of those people of what they have to go through to make sure these kids that, innocent kids that don't have a choice in life to, to of the while they are in the situation they're in, really hit on our hearts a lot. And then, and then when you found out about Carolina Family Church opening, because you were traveling right. away to, to go to church, the place where yeah. I was on staff, like that, <laughs> yeah. so we kind of got to know each other. Um, but uh, you were traveling for that, and then when you found out that we were starting the church here, and we talked about the vision of our church to help families and how many people were a part of our church that were either adopted parents or foster care parents or other things like that, that was one of those things that kind of connected it for it you. It just so, drilled everything right in. Yeah, like said, oh, what, well, God's given us an idea for a vision for this church as a vision for yeah, it definitely showed that God was leading us to this place for a reason. It wasn't just the preacher that we heard preach about the Haps hot dog with the chili running down his hand one Sunday. <laughs> there was a bigger reason. <laughs> yeah, I knew what he was talking about. But uh, uh, yeah, so all right, so you you you, know, you got married. You had this idea for your family. Uh, your first child was born, Merritt, right? Right. And uh, everything was on track, right? Everything was going according to plan. And then all of a sudden, everything wasn't going according to plan. So you can walk us through sort of what happened, and this is really the meat of what we're going to look at. Yeah, so it all started, um, and I am awful with dates, um, by the way, so please don't recall me on any dates. He can be the date man. Um, but it all started one day. I was went to work, dropped the kids off, at the or dropped Merritt off at the babysitter, um, and everything was just a normal another day. Um, and she happened to call me at work, and she said, there's something weird about Merritt's diaper. Um, I just don't know what's going on. Like, uh, she, it's not right. She walked away and then just immediately started screaming in the middle of the hallway out of absolutely nowhere. And when she went to change her diaper, um, it looked like there was grapes. Um, so she immediately called me, um, and it was kind of a whirlwind of events from there. Um, we... I called him, and we were, he's like, well, let's just take her to the doctor's office. Let's just figure everything out, see what's going on. Um, and then one doctor led to another, which led us up to Levine Children's Hospital. Um, and then I pretty much don't remember anything after that. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, he can probably cover more than that after because I just, I blanked. Um, I kind of shut down <laughs> for the most part. I was just wanting to touch on the series of doctor's appointments that day. I was at work when Caleb called me, and uh, I remember just getting off work and driving as fast as I could to Concord to get to the doctor's office because that was actually the second doctor's appointment yes. for the day. Uh, the first urologist that we saw um, did a quick ultrasound, said he found a tumor. Um, of course, my, in my mind, as soon as I heard the word tumor, it goes cancer. My first, my first thought, which most people probably does. Um, <clears throat> he and and this shows that God puts people in your play, in places that they need to be in your life. Um, because that doctor was not on our insurance. Um, he said, I'm going to do a quick ultrasound. You don't owe me a thing for today. Get in your car. 
drive as fast as you can to Levine Children's Hospital. They close the urology clinic closes at 4:30 there, uh, and this was probably quarter to four. He said, "I'm going to text you the address. You'll have an appointment when you walk in the door." Um, from then that week, that week it was uh, we were admitted to. She was admitted to Levine Children's Hospital that night. Uh, the next day was a biopsy. The next day was bon all bone scans. So it was just like bam, 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 all along. So you got a series of doctor's appointments, um, and ultimately the news was. Yeah, the, the news was, in the end, was cancer. And she was how old when it was? Uh, she, well, we got the diagnosis right at a year and a half. She was actually four days shy of being 18 months old. Um, <coughs> What was, I mean, Kayla, you mentioned that like right out of the gate, you're like, you're kind of numb. You kind of, what was your initial reaction to that news across? Or really, I guess when you heard the word tumor or you heard the word cancer, what was your, your first reaction? Like I said, I, the second I heard that, I literally just felt nothing. I was just, I was, I shut down, I grabbed her and I held her all the way um, to Levine and just, Cried literally the entire way because I just didn't know what to think. I didn't know what was happening. I, I mean, I just shut down completely. I didn't care what they told me after that. That's all I heard. And so that was that was pretty much it. Um, Mr. Google over here. Um. <laughs> I spent all those nights literally sit, laying or sitting up on a couch, pretty much like this one, not nearly as comfortable. As this one. Um, and just on Google, I wanted to know everything there was about it ins and outs, survive, I mean, down to survival rates and everything else. I wanted to know as much information as I could so that I felt like there was something that necessarily wasn't anything I could do. I knew that God had a hold of the doctor's hands and all that, but I just felt like there was more that I could possibly do if I knew some answers or knew more about it. I think it's interesting. <laughs> I, did, and I see this in, a lot in couples when, uh, when something like that strikes. Usually there is that kind of balance between the two. There's, there's both of those reactions right. often come up um, and they're just two different two different ways of looking at the same thing. And it's uh, good that God put you together as a couple because right. you know yeah. uh, because Aaron could could go into action mode and could try and figure all these things out and you could kind of pull him back a little bit, you know, and, and right. temper him a little bit. And um, so you get the news, you get um, they do give you a treatment plan. Um, and uh, they had a treatment plan that they thought would work. Right, um, and that was going to be about a year and a half right. of treatment, um, and so you started into that. So help us to, to a little bit understand. Um, you know, you've got sort of the, the initial chaos of the whole thing, and I remember going to the hospital and and when you were getting answers and waiting on test results and you know all all the things. And um, uh, there's sort of that you have to deal with the whirlwind of that, but at some point everything settles down and you realize this is what it's going to be, and you get a moment to breathe. Um, if you don't mind, talk to us. Well, even if you don't, even if you do mind, talk to us a little bit. Where are you talk, going with this? Talk to us. No, no, nothing. Uh, let's talk to us. I mean, that, that causes, you, we can imagine any of ourselves in this situation, at least in part, and it's going to cause you to ask a lot of questions about God and what he's doing and what his relationship is like with you. What, what were how did you, as you were going through that, what did your relationship with God look like? What kind of questions did you ask? What confidences did you have? Like, just, just talk about the spiritual aspect of going through that, that initial process. I'll say this. From the beginning, uh, one of our biggest things is we just put it all in God's hands. I mean, we didn't know what else to do at the time. Uh, I remember two of the hardest things that, I had to, that I've had to say in my life, the two hardest things actually, mm -hmm. was sitting on the couch that was a lot like this one here um, with our parents in front of us having to say, she's got cancer. That was hard. Another hard thing that would, that the words that came out of my mouth is I remember a conversation that Kayla and I both had in the car that weekend after the initial, initial diagnosis was we got to put it in God's hands because no matter what happens, this is God's plan. If we only get our little girl in our arms here on earth for a year and a half, that's God's plan. 
We've got to, we've just got to trust in God and trust what He's doing here. Was, and from that day on, I mean, it's just been putting it all in God's hands. Yeah, like you said, we, we felt, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but it was like, we have no choice. Like, what, what else are we supposed to do? And before we, you know, we went to church, we were there all the time, you know, prayed, and, but not until then. It's like, that kind of brought everything like, oh, no, no, you, there's no, oh, you know, let's pray before we eat, oh, let's pray at night, you know, oh, yeah, of course I talk to God, of course, you know, devotions and things like that, but, no, like, you have to talk to God, otherwise, you're going to lose it. <laughs> and it, so it was just, it, the fact of, that we, like, we had no option, like, we, God was it, and God, I mean, and we realized that instead of doing the, you know, um, being only going to God when actually we need Him. Now it's it's brought us to the point where you no know, God's there always. It's not just when we need Him. It's not with anything. But at that point in time, it brought that to reality um, because we had no other option. And I say it hit me hard too. I, um, at one point for a couple of years, I was a motorsports chaplain. Um, you know, going up with drivers and praying before the race and all. And they're like, "Pray for me to win. Pray for me to win." In that time, it's always I was always it's God's plan. You know. We got to pray for God's plan, you know. So it hit me hard. All those people that I had told, praying for God's plan. Now at this point, I'm praying. I had to pray for pray for God's plan and God's will in my life. So that was coming back on me. Pray that you get around. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pray that, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but but it's it's hard when when uh, yeah. I guess in this case, it's like winning looks different. Right, winning, winning in this case is not necessarily being healed, although that's what that's what you want. Right. <laughs> you know, winning in that case is being faithful, and I definitely saw that in you from the very beginning. And one of the things I noticed with with both of you as you were walking through it is that while a lot of people would focus on what God wasn't doing for them, you guys were always focused on what God was doing and being thankful for all of the little wins and. Those kinds of things, and, and you express that a lot as we were talking this week too, about that mentality, that the positive mentality. You have. Can you talk a little bit more about that because I think for us, we would look at the situation you guys were in, and we talked about this. But from the outside looking in, we're like, "How in the world did you deal with this? This is the worst possible thing." But that wasn't at all your mentality in the middle uh, of it. Because we, well, I've, we were at clinic weekly. Not every child goes to clinic weekly. Some of them go, you know, every month. Or some of them go every couple months for chemo. Um, so every regimen's different. Um, but we would see kids walk in, and we actually knew a lot of people personally. Um, they would have feeding tubes. Um, they couldn't get their child to eat. Um, we never had that issue. The nutritionist, um, we talked about this. The nutritionist would come in every week, and she finally was like, you know what? I am not coming in every week to talk to you guys. She's gaining weight. If you need me. You know just call me. I'm I'm here. Um, so we never had to worry once um, about her having a feeding tube or any of those issues um, that would always get infected. Anybody who knew with a feeding tube, it was getting infected literally every week or every month at the absolute least. Um, and then we'd also we'd see kids walk in one week and then we would never see them again, um, meaning they had lost their battle. So the fact that we still had merit with us um, being no matter the start of treatment or the end of treatment, um, we were still going to clinic. You know, we get to, we still get to see our nurses. We still get to see everybody. And even the whole, I mean, I like the weekly aspect of it, even though it was more chemo, um, we got to see our nurses every week. We got to keep up with our nurses every week. They kept up with us um, even after the first visit. And I don't think we reached on this. Um, we had our first visit. We went, we got our diagnosis. And literally the next week, every single nurse we passed said, hey, Merritt, hey, Merritt, hey, Merritt, and knew, knew her by name immediately. Like there was, whether they saw her for 10 seconds, whether they saw her for 30 seconds, whether they saw her for three minutes, um, they, every single one of them knew her name. Um, so thankful for that aspect of it, for a whole other family um, that we never wished we would have had, but we were absolutely thankful. For. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then just seeing all these other kids struggle with different things and um, Merritt, merely just having a chemo infusion and not having to worry about anything else, not worrying, have to worry about a hospital stay during her chemo infusion. We would go there in the morning, come home that afternoon, um, stay in our own bed and not have to live in the hospital for weeks at a time just to get chemo. Um, and then seeing 
another little girl the same age as Merritt go through a surgery um, where they didn't think she was, um, she had an incision all the way down pretty much. Um, and after the surgery was almost 12 hours, Brins, um, almost 12 hours long, um, and just seeing her and her mom fight, and she couldn't even hold her for several days until they finally let her hold her, and she had 20 billion tubes attached to her and everything. Um, we never had to go through that. We we had an epidural in the back, was which was a little rough on a two-year-old, uh, or actually on mom and dad versus the two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was the biggest thing we had to worry about. Um, we never had to worry about actually, you know, seeing her in a state like that and not knowing if we would ever get so just being thankful for those things after seeing so many other kids um, suffer and go through way more than merit. And I'll say this, uh, John hit on it. It's the way you look at, we looked at the situation the way you should look at it. Um, one thing that hit, that I remember is, you know, that I used during that time is from the great American philosopher, Garth Brooks. Um, <laughs> He, he's practicing this, okay? He was not going yeah. to forget this. That I've seen him say several times. It's a matter of perspective. It's either the cursing, the curse, or the blessing. Because what you see here, I see here. What you see here, I see here. It's all a matter of perspective and how you look at the situation and how you handle that situation. Um, and luckily and thankfully, God put it in us to handle, for us to handle the situation as a to look at everything as a blessing and how we can use that because it could be so much worse than it was. Yeah. But I mean, what other three year olds is going to go to the with millionaires? Uh, so they will give money for cancer research. So, I mean, just a little positive. <laughs> right. yeah. She had a blast, even though we stayed up way past bedtime. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, the, the real blessing for you guys, I know, is that she is still with you. And um, you're thankful for that. She went through her process of treatment, and at the end of that was declared cancer free. Right? Yes. You are correct. So that's amazing. And uh, we're. Yes. And, and, a, and we just had her one year, her one year post treatment right. scans were two weeks ago, still 100% clear. Um, next July, we're looking at her moving into the survivorship. That's incredible. Um, and uh, the, really, and what one of the things I think that has been most incredible, watching you guys go through uh, not only you know the initial diagnosis and all of that, but then the ongoing treatment is that you guys really looked at, uh, uh, tried to find the purpose behind this happening. And you know, you said that that God. In fact, you, one of the verses that you pointed out while we were talking was Romans uh, 8.28. So, uh, God, uh, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who, those who are called according to his purpose. And uh, we talk about that all a lot around here and the fact that that doesn't mean everything's going to work out. It doesn't mean necessarily that, that, that you know, marriage scans are going to come back clear or, or whatever else. But uh, it means that God can take any situation, uh, whether we see good or bad, and use it for good. And you really put on that that mentality when uh, you first got into this. So if you could share a little bit with us about that, that mentality, what you saw happen over the course of uh, treatment and all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this time, I mean, we the things that happened, we learned that God's hands, like I said before, God's hands were on everything. Um, there was one time after a surgery that Kayla went to change Merritt's diaper, and her diaper was extremely bloody. Um, we had the urologist's cell phone number. She said, if you have any concerns, anything, give us a call. So, of course, that was extremely concerning. So, at that time, I called. No answer. Left a voicemail. Called again because being impatient. She answered. She said, great. I'm glad you called. We're actually in tumor board right now. We just got done discuss discussing merit. Uh, we need you all here at the hospital in two days at 8 a.m. We're doing surgery. So, you know, seeing the timing of that, I mean, there's nobody else that could have handled that other than God. Um, One of the things you, you all really threw yourselves into over that time was um, uh, support and advocating for cancer patients 
and um, and you've continued to do that since. Um, that's been a, sort of a hallmark of your life. I mean, you're both wearing, you both have your t-shirts, yes. cancer yes. messed with the wrong we got, kid. Yes, right? so and Isabella Santos Foundation and uh, then the Deaf Warden Children's Board. Foundation. Yeah. Mara is also wearing her Deaf Warden Children's Foundation. Right. And Eli is also wearing an ISS shirt. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and uh, as you as you walk through this, we shared that scripture, Romans 8, 28, God uses it off the road. One of the biggest things that God does through difficult trial and, and situation is he changes that. You know, we're, we're often looking for our situation to change, the things around us to change, the things to work out. But really what God wants to do is to conform us into the image of his son. And um, so we talked some about that this week, some ways that God has done that with you. So what are some of those things that you learned uh, over the course of her treatment, that whole process? I'd say one of the biggest things that we learned is Kayla and I have always been fairly independent with each other. Um, not Trying not to rely on too many people, but the support system that God put in place at that time, learning to, I, I, the word I'm thinking of, deal with it, but learning to accept that was, was what we, we had a hard time with. But when, once we opened up to it, it was, there's no way we could have done it without. Um, I remember back one time that Merritt was, had just gotten done with surgery. Um, they put us on one floor, and that was when she had an epidural, and they couldn't handle her with an epidural on that floor. So they had to move her to another floor. Um, and as soon as they called, the nurse up there said, oh, wow, we don't have a room big enough for them. <laughs> she said, I do remember we'll, that. we'll have to get one. <laughs> she said, but we'll make it work. <laughs> so, you know, just that support system, the... The number of people that reached out, then all the meals that were brought. There wasn't a time in the hospital that we actually had to go get our own meals. Uh, and and there's a lot of families that we've seen going through with what we've been through that have nobody when they get put in these situations, when, when they're faced with these situations. Yeah, we have some kids that would walk in and they literally only had one parent there and that's it, and they had nobody to call. So she said that, well, if I go to work, then he can't come. Like that, it's it's me and him. That's it. That's there's no other people here. Um, so to see that, and then to see our group, and I mean, heck, my brother came to the hospital one time with a <laughs> literally he had took the pot off the stove with chili and brought glass bowls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to eat chili beans in the hospital. Um, so different things like that, and then people. Just ran. I mean, like he said, we never went without a meal. I mean, and I mean breakfast, lunch, and dinner every hospital stay. When we came home, there was always something waiting on us. Um, so just to have that, but it was hard for me because it's like we would have people that are like, okay, we want to do a fundraiser for you, and I'm like, yeah. like why me? <laughs> I mean, what made you think of me? Why, you know, why would you care enough to do that? And not even small fundraisers, giant fundraisers, and just like I, I don't know how to accept um, that. So that was that was really amazing and see all that um, and then kind of going a little bit off of that but one thing that I had to learn um, in it that was pretty huge for me um, and kind of hit my heart pretty hard was I had to learn um, put the word in my mouth being gracious with people because I would have so many people <laughs> coming up to us in the grocery store or just out shopping or wherever we were and be like oh my goodness how old is your little boy and I'm like are you serious she has a bow on um like I know she's bald it's okay <laughs> um she's wearing or if she didn't have a bow on because she didn't want to wear that I would make sure she was literally in all pink from head to toe um and I'm like mm, I really don't think you're colorblind and <laughs> she's in all pink um so I was, so rather than just getting mad um and being like okay well um she has chemo so that's the reason she's bald and I would walk away um to the point where like no use this um, and start talking about it more. So just like, um, she's actually going through cancer treatment. You know, if you have any questions, you know, we can definitely talk about it. She's doing really good. We just had some more scans. And I would look at the positive aspect of it rather than just get, rather than get angry and <laughs> get mad at somebody because she's a girl. She's not a boy. Um, or even the people that came up to me, I'm like, it's okay. My child didn't have hair till they were three years old. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, she had beautiful hair. I just want to let you know that <laughs> she had very long curls. She was born with more hair than I've ever seen on another baby. 
Um, so yes, just uh, to get past that point and be very gracious with people and understanding and letting them know the situation versus just getting mad and then walking away in the other direction. And we both feel bad, me and the other person, um, but I didn't. So it just took a little bit of time to um, get myself in the right position with other people. So the, some of the things that, that you're saying, if I can kind of recap it, you, you talked about sort of the idea of submission, recognizing God's timing. And accepting his timing. You, one of the stories you mentioned to me was that in the middle of this, for those that don't know, you yeah. found out you were pregnant <laughs> with your second child. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that was stressful. And at first, you know, you didn't know how in the world you were going to be able to handle the treatments and everything that was going on and that. But as it turns out, God's timing is perfect and that works exactly as it should. And God made it easy. So, you know, submission and accepting his timing. Uh, you talked about. Uh, uh, being, being the humility to surround yourself with and accept the support system, and that's really it's what God, it's how God wants us to live. He wants us to live in community and with other people. When we, when you look at the um, the church right after Jesus returns to heaven, and everyone's left trying to figure out what do we do and how do we build this thing, and and um, you know how do how do we get this message that we have out there. Uh, you see a couple of powerful things. One of the powerful things is the bold preaching of the gospel. And we see thousands of people coming to faith when that happens. But then we also see the church living together in community and taking care of each other and says they held all things in common and they were, they were supporting each other and giving to each other and they developed this family, this support system. And some people are too prideful to accept that um, or too... Um, uh, prideful in some cases to build it. And so you guys did such a great job of building that support system around you, whether it was your church family or your family family or your family at the hospital that you developed there or, or wherever else that, that you were doing that and being willing to rely on that acceptance. Um, that and, you. and on top of that, like our family, of course, told us, um, which they're all right in this little thing, um, they told us anytime they're like, now, whatever bill, we got it. Like it doesn't matter. But then that, on top before the fundraisers even came about that was like we don't we We can't we we can't burden our family like we can't burden our parents we can't burden our grandparents like we can't do that um so it made us even more willing to accept outside and god letting us know that that was okay um because even though they had our back 100 percent um it was hard for us to ask and then you also talked about um you also talked about uh learning to be gracious and when you're in a situation like when you're in a situation like that, you have knowledge that other people don't have, and and they come up and it can easy with everything you're going through to be frustrated, but to give people grace and understanding and help to bring them to a place of understanding where you are as opposed to being upset. Um, it's a character trait of Jesus, and it's an important thing for us to have as well. Um, and but not only uh, God taught you so much through this, but He allowed you to influence and be an encouragement to so many other people through it. And uh, that's what a lot of us, I believe, saw from the outside, watching you guys operate as you went through it. And to, uh, to us, I'm just going to speak for everyone here who, who knows you or watched you go through that. It seems like such a big thing. It seems like such a huge task. Um, and I know for you guys, it was a day-by-day, step-by-step. You just took each thing as it came. But when you step back and look at the, the scope of it, it's you know huge to, to look at from that perspective. But what God did was He he taught you and encouraged you through the entire situation. And now you've talked about the purpose in it. He, you believe he wants to use you to help other people go through the same thing. Um, one of the verses that uh, I was with uh, Dennis Welch um, last Sunday afternoon, and uh, he came up to me and he's like, hey, there's a verse that you probably should have been using every single week in this series, by the way. Um, and it's uh, from 2 Corinthians, and he's right. Probably should have been using it every single week in this series. Um, but 2 Corinthians, written to a church that's experiencing persecution and difficulty, and Paul says this to them, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The idea is God walks with us through our stuff so that then we can take that as an example and walk through other people with their stuff. And, and you guys have done that because 
and this blew my mind. I want you to, I want you to, you know, tell everyone this because I couldn't believe it when you told me. It surprised me. Um, but the uh, when you look at people who set up foundations and other things to support people who are going through childhood cancer, there's like a line in the sand that I didn't know existed. That almost everybody who is involved in ongoing research is are families who have lost their children to cancer. But people who go through cancer treatment and their children end up cancer-free have a tendency just to move on and want to put it behind them. So can you explain that a little bit and talk, explain that, but then talk about what you're trying to do. I don't know what the reasoning is behind it, but I mean, it's, it's kind of it's like a door that they just want to close and forget that part of their life. And to us, it I mean, I'm sure to somebody it makes sense, but to us it doesn't make sense because you know, we want to take what God has taught us through this to help those others. Like John said, every foundation that we can look at really has been people that have lost their kids to childhood cancer, not ones that their kids are thriving and running around here like our, at times, terrible three-year-old um, <laughs> oh, yeah. singing and dancing and all that. So, you know, we've, we've taken every opportunity that we can to help advocate and educate as many people as we can throughout the entire process. We had a calendar that we kept track of all of Merritt's appoint appointments on, um, all of our chemo, all of our surgeries, all of our medications. But we also had a calendar that we had, this is the events that we're going to speak at and advocate for. Um, there was one week that we had something to do every single day. Um, Yes, one <laughs> month we had every single weekend planned out, you know, just to do what it needs to be done to help the, not necessarily help those, but I guess take up the gap of those that aren't out there advocating and, uh, and aren't out there educating. Um, we even, at one event, it was on a Friday morning, we left, we talked to clinic because Mary had chemo that, uh, that Friday. And we talked to clinic, what's the latest we can be here to get chemo? So I think they said like 4.30, and we rolled in there at 4.25. She got her chemo. They locked the door behind us on the way out. You know, and it was, it was we are able to do that, so why not go at all costs that we can to do that as paying it forward to everybody? And Merritt did not mind. She got gifts at every chemo. <laughs> So whether it be she got to wear a sparkly dress and she was super happy about it, or she got new shoes, or they would give her a goodie basket as she was going in and Bloom's going out. Um, she got something at every bit, so she was super happy. And our thing is, if we close the door now and just walk away, then what was God's purpose? Was there a purpose behind it besides just keeping it all to ourselves and, okay, we learned our two lessons now, let's just not share it with anybody else. So what was the purpose? So if we, we feel like if we don't share and keep keep on doing everything, then there was no purpose to everything that happened to her. Um, and don't get me wrong, when it all first happens. Uh, I was going to say the hospital bracelet. He, <laughs> the very first hospital stay, he took off the bracelet. He's like, we got to say this. And I was like, uh, no, we don't. Um, we can put it in the trash over there. And every single bracelet after this, we will just put it in the trash over there. And then all this will just disappear when it's all over. Um, so I was that person in the beginning. And it took me a while to get past the point of, no, we need to use this, and we do need a purpose. Um, but it did take me a little bit of time to just, just want to forget everything because this is the worst part of my entire life. Um, so it did help get to that point. And now knowing that there is a purpose and seeing all these, we've had so many, even our social workers, she would literally come to us every week. She's like, nobody else will talk. Can you please talk? Like, nobody else will do this video. Can you just have Merit say things? Like, nobody else wanted to share anything. Nobody wanted to be positive about anything. Um, and it wasn't the fact that we weren't willing. Sometimes Merritt wasn't willing. But when she brought up a $10 Chick-fil-A <laughs> gift card, Chick-fil-A was downstairs, uh, Merritt was always willing. Uh, <laughs> um, she still does it to this day. Yes. So even though she's not bald and has the, the pretty hair, um, Emily came in, I believe it was two clinic visits yeah, ago, clinic. and was like, Merritt, can you say thank you? And she looked at him. I got stickers. I looked at her again. Like I Chick Fil A gift card in my office. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she knows the deal. Where do you want me deal. to stand? 
been conditioned. Um, so yes, she has been conditioned, but she's been willing to share, um, and we've been willing to share. So they always come up to us and just, you know, okay, y'all again, let's let's do this. Y'all want to come to an event? And like I said earlier, I mean, what other two girls get to go to this? Pretty great. So pretty um, great. she got to wear a sparkly dress and got new shoes to that event as well, and got sent home with a whole vase of flowers oh, yeah. that we did that not need. Um, <laughs> she was pretty. All right, that's, well, you guys have been a tremendous encouragement. You really have taken uh, what God has taught you and, and applied that. Now, if, if there's anybody here who's got friends or family that are going through something similar to this, I, I think it would be helpful really quickly to share some advice on what they can do to encourage, because you received a lot of support and encouragement. And so um, someone here may be asking, you know, what, what could I do? What, how, how could I help my friend who's going through something like this? It could be any sort of medical thing or whatever. Um, but... Uh, one of, the things, one of the things you mentioned was that, um, and I'm just going to say this for you so you don't have to say it, but when you were going through it, like everybody's default was a stuffed animal, right? You got so many stuffed animals, right? They, they got so many stuffed animals and appreciated all of them, yes, but they got absolutely. so many stuffed animals. They have two beanbag chairs in their living room or in their playroom, and they're just stuffed with stuffed animals. That's all that's in there. Um, and you do have one with you on the I, couch. I do. I do. We do have one. Yeah. Um, so this is this is dinosaur. If you ask Merritt, um, he actually belonged to a friend of ours that some people may know. But she um, discovered she had a tumor, and it actually. And so Merritt made this at the beach and made it for her. Um, it sings the the Mario theme song, um, and she made it for her. And after she went through her surgery and she recovered, um, she brought it to Merritt after Merritt got her diagnosis. And Dinosaur went to every single hospital stay, clinic visit, chemo infusion, absolutely everything. He got his temperature checked under his arm. Um, he got his blood pressure checked, which he has about a million blood pressure tests at home because they always gave them to him. And um, he got his pulse checked on different, yeah. different parts. Um, so, yes, he went to everything, and she would not touch him at the house, period. He just went in a basket, and that's where he was. But when it come Monday morning and time for chemo or any other day time for chemo, she would go dig him out and she's where he was. So that's the reason why the dinosaur's here. And um since he's taking the time to add that. <laughs> um, we yeah. got in, we got insulted by a few nurses because of NC State, so I just want to support that a little bit. <laughs> and you felt it was only appropriate that he'd be up here uh, for this today. Absolutely. It's true. He's been since through everything. She's not else. here, he is yeah. here. This is this is merit. There we go. So well, I'll say one of the one of the biggest things that helped us throughout this entire thing was gift cards. Yeah, um, food gift cards were, were huge. We ate most day, well, most clinic days. We ate three meals a day away from the house. We'd stop and get breakfast, have to get lunch in clinic, and then have stopping it. If there wasn't supper waiting at home for us, um, which our families took care of the majority of the time, um, food on the way home. But uh, Another big thing was gas cards. Gas cards were huge. Um, we put 40,000 miles on Kayla's car in a year and a half, which is tremendous. Um, just, and that's just trips back and forth to the hospital. So, you know, if you know somebody that's going through a situation, those are two things that would be huge to be a huge help towards them. And the reason, if you can do a little bit of research and look at the hospital. Because um, we did a gift card drive not too long ago, and I know a lot of people participated and gave gift cards for that. Um, and I know some of them were like, why are you doing the most expensive restaurants? There are, like Chick-fil-A, expensive fast food. Starbucks, who needs coffee? <laughs> really, when you're going through something like that. Panera Bread, like another expensive, somewhat fast food. Um, those were the three restaurants in the hospital. So there were some parents that were willing to leave their kids. We were not those parents. Um, if we didn't eat, we just didn't eat. Um, but there was always going to be one person in the hospital room at all times. And so Chick-fil-A clinic was on the sixth floor. Chick-fil-A was on the bottom floor. So we literally went down the elevator, and my direction was self. That's the only place I knew how to get to because I literally pressed the button on the elevator, and then I pressed and the button back on the elevator. Um, Starbucks, literally right down the hallway. Um, Panera was a little bit farther. He could get there. I could not. Um, so those were the three restaurants that were in the hospital. Yes, they seem expensive, and why, you know, the gift cards aren't going to go as far. They do go farther just because you're not getting in your car and you're not eating. So if you can find out what's actually in the hospital or even right around, because we even got some um, 
Uber Eats. Yeah, we even had some Uber Eats gift cards delivery. That can mm -hmm. be delivered to the home. So those kind of things. So. And that's that's practical. Um, but uh, share with us also what what encouragement could we give to someone spiritually who's going through this? Because I feel I feel like a lot of times when you're talking to someone like what you guys went through, I can't imagine it because I haven't been through it. So it's like sometimes I don't know what to say, what's going to be encouraging, what's going to feel cliche, what's not, that kind of thing. So uh, how can someone encourage someone spiritually? I would say one of the biggest thing is, and that I see, is just praying for them because they're dealing with so much. Um, how many times, guilty of it myself, has somebody come up and, hey, pray for me because of this. And you're like, okay, yeah. But literally, seriously, actually pray for them and pray for that need. Because just to know that, that God, I mean, God's got it anyways, but to know that your peers are the ones that are sending it up to God is huge and means a lot. Um, and even, uh, you know, praying, of course, is absolutely number one, but a simple, and I mean not just one message and then you don't talk to them for a year and a half. Um, literally, we had a nurse that left us. She was the best nurse ever and was able to access merit support, no problem. Um, every time we had a scan or every time we had a hospital stay, just literally a simple message, hey, I'm thinking of you. Um, literally just every single like. So not only just, oh, they're in the hospital, I'm thinking of you, and then we don't hear from you for a year, um, but it's scan day. Oh, just want to let you know I'm thinking of you today. I know today's sick. Um, just to let you know I'm thinking of you. I know she got sick this morning. So just those simple messages. No, you know, nothing monetary or anything like that, but just a simple message, even if it was you know, every other week or every other month or something like that. Just that, that simple message, hey, I'm thinking of you, so you know people are still there. And I'll say this, uh, when we were going through it, and you you may not know what that person's going through at that time, but God's put it on your heart for a reason. Um, to send that message like she said. God's put it on your heart, that person on your heart. Um, we were I don't remember what we were going through that day. Um, but it was a rough day, and this person most likely knew that it was a rough day. Um, sent me a message, and I still remember it to this day, and it was, hey, thinking of you, and sent me a, a link to a song, and it was, I think it's Michael W. Smith, This Is How I Fight My Battles. And that, whenever I'd have a rough day, I would just play that on repeat. Because that person knew what I was going through, but didn't really know what I was going through at that time inside. And knew that I needed that song. And when I, when I got to that battle, it reminded me, the best way to fight that battle is to pray. I know that's encouraging, um, and uh, we're thankful for what God has taught you and brought you through and what He's leading you to. Uh, we're thankful that uh, Mary's scans are still clear, and we'll continue that's praying true. for that. And uh, I'll speak on behalf of everyone here and say we're very thankful that you were willing to come and talk with us a little bit today. That's uh, been encouraging and challenging, and... Um, and I hope we all know a little bit better how to walk through these things ourselves when we get to them, but also how to encourage others when they do. So thank you so much for doing this today. Let's uh, give them a round of applause and thank them. All right. Well, I'm going to pray, and I'm going uh, to continue ask God to continue to bless you and, and your ministry through this as well, and for all of us as we as we see what He wants us to. Father, thank you so much uh, for the love that you have for us and uh, love that surpasses all circumstances. And you know what we deal with here. You know the difficulty that we face. And all of our experiences are different. And some of them seem harder. And some of them seem easier. But we know that your love can carry us through. The hope that we have in you can carry us through. We know that you want to use all of these things to conform us, to continue conforming us into the image of your Son, that you want to use us to encourage other people, and that even in what seems like the worst situation, we can always have the, the correct perspective. We can look at what you're doing instead of what you're not doing. 
We can look for your purpose in it. We can look for what you want to teach us in it. And so I just, God, want to say how thankful I am to Aaron and Kayla for the commitments that they made as they faced this. I want to thank you for, uh, for Merit herself and, and her joy and how much strength you gave her at such a young age as she went through this and what you taught her. Thank you for their family that loved them so well, supported them so well all the way through, did all the little things and all the big things as you led them to do that. Thank you for our church family, the way our church family supported Aaron and Kayla, supported Merritt, prayed and did all kinds of things for them, and uh, the way you used that to draw us even together. Thank you for the greater community around uh, Aaron and Kayla, the doctors and the nurses and other cancer patients and families um, that supported them and encouraged them and the, the, the joy that that brought through this. Thank you for all of the leading that you did through the Spirit, through the good times and the bad times, through the, the good news and the bad news. And so, God, we just want you to know right now that we are thankful. We're thankful that Merit uh, is cancer-free and that her scans are clean, and we ask you uh, to continue to protect her from that. But as always, submit to your will and your plan in it. God, we uh, look forward to what you're going to use, Aaron and Kayla, to do uh, for other parents that are facing these same things, for the greater field of research that's happening to help uh, cure this and to uh, improve treatments for it, and uh, that you will use them as, as a, a support in so many ways for so many people. It's tremendously powerful. So thank you for their life and their ministry. For all of us that may face something like this one day. We pray that you give us strength and focus in the same way. For any of us that, uh, that are looking to support and encourage someone who's going through something like this, lead us in the Spirit to exactly what we're supposed to do. Practically for them, emotionally for them, but most importantly spiritually for them. How we can help them walk closer to you as a result of whatever it is they're facing. And so God, we thank you for all that you can do and all that you are doing in situations like this and in this one specifically. We ask that you continue to encourage us and lead us and guide us so that we understand in our life how to support those around us, how to walk through our own situations with the same level of grace and focus, and that in the power of the Spirit, knowing that we are your child, saved by your grace, because we have put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, we know, Christ, you are returning. You're going to set all things right, and we're looking forward to that day. In the meantime, we want to walk closely with you. We thank you for all of this, and we bless uh, all of this time that we spent today. And we pray that it uh, brought honor and glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen.